Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish Steed. Welcome to the At Work in America podcast. My name's Steve Bose. I'm joined by Trish Steed. Trish, how are you today? I'm trying not to freeze today. How are you, Steve? Uh, similarly, also attempting to not freeze. It's uh, in the single digits here. Uh, and imagine it's quite cold where you're at, too. I'm in Colorado. We have been in the negatives as our real temperature, not just wind chill. And it's been quite bitter. So I've been staying inside. But you know what? I mean, it's like watching across the country. This is really hitting most of the country right now. People are a little bit tired of the snow and the cold, wouldn't you say? I think so. People are still kind of homebound, but it's a good time to be to stay warm, stay under the covers, snuggle up with your favorite podcast, like the At Work right. in America podcast, Trish. <laughs> Today, actually, we've got a great show. It's uh, on one of the most important topics, if not the most important topic in business in 2023, which was generative AI, which dominated all the news cycles all year long, pretty much. But also talking about like, where is it going? How to stay ahead of it? How to make it work better in your organization? A little bit of how not to be afraid of it. And uh, that's going to be a great conversation uh, today. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, for me and the things I'm hearing, it's all about educating yourself so that you're not terrified of use of, of Gen AI, whether it's in your personal life or at work. But I do feel like even in the last six months, um, or not even six months, maybe four months since the HR tech, when it was really coming on strong in terms of use cases, I'm starting to see it creep in more and more in personal applications. And I think that's much like other things we've had in the past, right? That's what ultimately drives what we're comfortable with from a work perspective. How about you? I'd agree, Trish. I think it's a great example, similar to other ones we've had in the past, like social media was one of these, even iPads, honestly. Right? The technology that really started to take root in people's personal lives and their lives outside of work, which then becomes something kind of ubiquitous and important inside the workplace, right? And so we all got introduced to chat GPT, for example, right? The most famous gen AI technology, probably on our own personal time, right? Just experimenting with it outside of work. And then all of a sudden, many people have realized, boy, this might help me write a report. It might help me summarize uh, a meeting, meeting notes. It might help me do a transcription of a podcast. Who knows, right? It, it does lots of really valuable things. And now people are trying to find ways to use it in work. And as you said, in our business, in the HR business and the tech business, so many of the providers are trying to find ways to imbue, embed it right inside HR technology and it, to support HR processes. It's literally everywhere these days. Right. What I love the most um, as we explore these conversations with different people who are, you know, I guess, emerging experts in Gen AI specifically, is that, you know, years ago, if you think back when we really started talking about machine learning to begin with. And it was, you know, the robots are going to take our jobs. And I think what Gen AI enables us to do is see how it really just enhances our jobs and what we're doing. Um, and I think you're right. A lot of what we learn, you mentioned social media, for example, it's like now that's, that's a major source of how we learn how to do everything, right? It's through these various social channels. And I recently had a, a discussion with our producer, for example, about, 
using Gen AI to look at the ingredients you have in your pantry, type it in, and Gen AI can, you know, come back with different recipes you can make with those ingredients. So thinking about things as simple as that gets my wheels turning on, oh, if I can use it for that at home, what can I use it in a business sense? That's that's also safe, right? And and not sharing confidential data. So I'm excited to have this conversation today to learn about more of those work applications. Yeah. It's going to be a great conversation. Uh, before we get to that, Trish, let's thank our friends, of course, at Paychex. This episode of At Work in America is sponsored by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Are you ready to drive growth and tackle the challenges ahead in the new year? With insights from 600 business and HR leaders, Paychex has just released its 2024 Business Priorities Report, revealing the strategies you need to succeed. With interest rates rising, inflation still going on, dealing with struggles to keep top talent and develop leadership, it can be tough out there. But this report reveals that a whopping 98% of companies are planning to use artificial intelligence to help tackle these issues. Good good stat for this show we're doing today. (laughs) And that's just the beginning. Uh, This report is packed with insider tips on improving employee benefits to automating workflows and it's your strategic roadmap for success. You can get ahead of the game and download your copy today at paychecks.com slash A-W-I-A. That's P-A-Y-C-H-E-X dot com slash A-W-I-A. Business success this year is just a click away. We are excited to welcome our guest today. It's Anthony Abatello from PwC. Anthony leads PwC's workforce transformation business, delivering HR transformation, talent strategy, change management, organizational development, and reward services to CEOs and CHROs across sectors and functions. Anthony is a master certified executive coach with focused expertise on CEO and executive transitions. Anthony and his husband, Chad, live in New York City. Anthony, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Nice to see you, Steve. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. It's been a while. So welcome back to the show. And uh, it's great to have you back to talk about, I mean, it's certainly 2023's most important pressing and in the news topic in enterprises, right, which was AI, specifically Gen AI, and to maybe now that we're moving into 2024 to help organizations and HR leaders and other leaders make some sense of it and actually to start to make some smart investments in it to realize some of the payoff around the hype and uh, and maybe not be afraid of it as well. So uh, well, let's get into some of that. So Anthony, maybe though, before we get into Gen AI, let's maybe learn a little bit more about you uh, and your background, because it's a fascinating one. We talked a little bit pre-show about it. I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit with our audience uh, about about your story. Sure. I, you know, I've, I've been a, I guess, a career-long management consultant. I've been about 30 years all in uh, consulting and everything around uh, talent leadership and human resources. I, I'm I'm sort of a, a an incredible dork in the sense of I love consulting and I have an incredible amount of passion around the human capital space. From being a you know a researcher, a practitioner, client service, leading the business, all aspects of it kind of bring me uh, a lot of joy. And you know, as they say, if you if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel just incredible honor and great fortune that I, I continue to have these these challenges in terms of leading these complex consulting businesses that give us the opportunity to help solve the most 
pressing workforce issues for our clients and really use the workforce lever the way you know many organizations use the financial lever and uh, how they can drive better business results through their workforce, both on and off balance sheet. You know, Anthony, I appreciate the passion that you bring to your work because I think that's one thing that we, Steve and I both have, and we gravitate to other people who are that way as well, right? Like everything that we do revolves around people and both helping them get better at the work that they're doing so that they can be both engaged and feel rewarded and appreciated, right? Um, but also as leaders, it's something sometimes, you know, we, we've all had careers that span decades at this point. Um, I'd love for you maybe to start off in terms of what you're doing there with PwC around how have you seen the workforce change maybe in the last, say, 20 years or so as that connection between humans and technology has kind of evolved before we really dive into the AI piece? It's a, it's a great question because, you know, I think if you look at the workforce and how it has evolved, you can almost track it to the evolution of the human resources function, right? If we go back to, you know, HR really isn't that old. It, it's really only been a capability and function, maybe last like 40 years, I say max. But if you go sort of pre, you know, 1980s, you know, we were personnel and, you know, and the workforce was really about production. You know, we oftentimes call it, you know, the, the, the age of the generals, right? The general motors, the general electrics, the types of companies that were very much about pulling together, um, you know, understanding the production and moving into this industrial revolution. So it was all really about, uh, you know, that, that movement around the workforce being about output and production kind of advance and in, in, into the 90s where we started to see you know, a bit in the 80s with some some computing starting, but in the 90s, right, we get to this point of technology being brought into the workforce and the idea of a knowledge worker came in. Um, and then you start to see that uh, the, the workforce really starts to bring not only the production, but also the decision-making, right, the insights, uh, creating knowledge content, and then sharing that um, really at the aid, with the aid of technology. And then, you know, sort of post.com boost, uh, you know, bubble uh, burst, I guess is what you say, uh, but right around that time, right, everything got distributed into the early 2000s where the workforce became not just about production and about knowledge, but then also about the, distrib the, the distribution of knowledge and also the interconnectivity uh, around the globe. So being able to do work offshore or with, within other regions or countries and not everything being um, you know, solely around the, the four walls of the organization. And I think today we're certainly in, you know, uh, I often say that, you know, the war for talent is over, right? The, the, the workforce won. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's now we're in this age where we are, it's a talent driven workforce, right? You know, after, after COVID, you know, well-being is at is at the core. You know, organizational culture is at the core. Skills and capabilities are at the core of of, of organizations. And you know, when you, you look at, we we survey CEOs, um, you know, every year, and you know the the skills and the culture of the organization and future skills are always one of the top three issues that CEOs are facing today. And they don't see that just as an HR functional. Um, concern, they see that as part of the CEO agenda and how we're driving the business. So 
I think you know that that overarching uh, view now of, of now getting to the the workforce really being in the driver's seat. I think the CHRO has moved from you know banging the the table to say we need a seat at the table to now needing to grab the spotlight more, which we could talk about. Um, but that's really about you know I think because the the understanding the levers of the workforce and how that's going to drive the business results is something that is now in the forefront with analytics, with different data. Um, and, you know, the CEO, the management teams really can understand how they can use that lever to, to, to drive productivity and performance of the business. Anthony, I appreciate you sort of sharing your perspective on this this large uh, arc, right, of of kind of the relationship between uh, the organization, its people, and the function, right, over the last fifty odd years or so, maybe sixty odd years or so. Some might uh, consider, I don't know if you're one of these or not. I'd love to hear your perspective on it. That what we've seen in 2023. If we talk about the disruptions maybe that you mentioned, sort of the introduction of personal, powerful computing, the internet comes a little bit later, and then, you know, boom, uh, uh, pandemic happens, right, disrupting every workplace and workforce pretty much around the globe. And now in 2023, Gen AI emerges. I don't know if it's a scale of disruption similar to those other events or those big macro trends or not. I don't know. Some people think it is, though, and you'll see data as early, maybe even yesterday I saw this piece of data coming out of the World Economic Forum where, uh, oh, 40% of, of jobs potentially are going to be disrupted in the next, I don't know, five to 10 years by Gen AI. And if that's really true, if that comes to pass, then certainly Gen AI will be a disruptor on the par with things like the internet emerging and, and the pandemic. I'd love your maybe bigger picture perspective on Gen AI as a disruptive force an opportunity, and then maybe we can talk about some of the more specific types of programs, interventions, and strategies that HR folks can 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 pursue this year. Yeah, you know, I think that when when it comes to Gen AI, the I think overall it, it represents you know a tremendous opportunity. I think you know in in our um, we did a poll survey in, in August of this year, and I think you know close to seventy percent of executives all see that Gen AI will have the opportunity to create new business models. And, you know, I think more than half of the world's, um, you know, workforce sees this as an opportunity for disruption. And I think where the dissonance exists, or, or I think a dissonance exists between executives, sort of older generation and younger, you know, because more than, you know, 50% of the workforce, especially at the, you know, uh, the Gen Zs and the millennials really see it as an opportunity for a positive impact, for the ability for them to perform their jobs better, to have better career mobility and to be able to be more productive, right? They see that as certainly disrupting it, but really bringing them more of an opportunity for production and you know, more productivity. I think while business executives who probably represent more of, you know, the, the Gen Xers and baby boomers, um, you know, many, many of those like me, um, not, not me in age, not me in, in, <laughs> in philosophy, I'll say, uh, the, you know, they, I think there is that, that dissonance exists is that they see that disrupting jobs to the negative, right? They, it does present opportunity, but they see that impacting jobs in a way where it's, it is going to eliminate jobs. And, and I think while it's still maybe too early to tell, the early signs really are, it's, it probably could automate or create more efficient tasks but wholesale taking away jobs and not creating new ones. Um, I don't think we're going to see that at all. And I think, you know, the opportunity that really does exist is 
great for every organization and every level of the workforce, whether you know you're a senior executive and how you are driving, you know, the the performance of the business, or you know, you're a line worker, you're a deskless worker, you're a knowledge worker, you know, and you're using Gen AI as a as a support, decision support, as a knowledge tool, or you know, in further automating um, you know, the job at hand. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Anthony, because I think that one of the questions we get a lot when we're either, you know, out at events or just, you know, out working with different clients and and maybe their customers is around this idea of, is it going to truly be decision support and something that enhances the way I'm performing versus kind of to Steve's question, which is like taking away my job, right? Um, so I love that you're you're saying, no, you're very positive on this, right? What can leaders do? Because I'm thinking, you know, again, some of us who have been in the workforce a long time, we get a little nervous when these things, these disruptors happen. Um, what advice would you give to leaders to maybe educate themselves differently or to, to get more comfortable? Is there a thing they can be doing to sort of take that more positive tone in terms of, this is something that can really enhance your workforce's performance? Yeah, you know, I spend, I, you know, a lot of my time in discussion with CEOs, with business unit leaders, CHROs. And, you know, I, I basically am saying two things as it relates to this. The first is, you know, is the education part. You know, educate yourself, educate your organization, right? Give the opportunity for upskilling for yourself, for your teams, for your workers, to understand the impacts and the opportunities with with generative AI, what it can actually bring, dispel the myth and rumor um, and, and building that, that skill set in the organization. The second is experimenting. You know, every organization and every leader, right, in, in, in our, uh, you know, peer group, uh, every leader has the opportunity to, or, or should have a greater opportunity to experiment, to fail, fail fast, fail, fail early, learn faster. Um, and really have an opportunity to drive a learning from that. So getting some experiments with Gen AI in their area will only help in the adoption and the evolution. And I think that's where the, the myth and the, you know, where that dissonance exists, where that will start to close. Uh, and we'll see more opportunities, whether they're, you know, small experiments or they're bigger and larger ideas. The, the best way to understand and get comfortable with the opportunity that I really truly believe exists around Gen AI is to start to, uh, you know, open up the learning around it, dispel the the myths, and try some experiments in areas. And you know, there there isn't an organization that I talk to that doesn't have some degree of you know a Chat GPT or an issue around generative AI. Um, you know, raising your hand if you're a business leader, raise your hand. You know, you know, get step up to that opportunity, especially in HR, where, you know, similar to the customer facing functions, right, they're the first that are really seeing the impact and are bringing this to market faster. HR is right there with them, right? The, you know, the, the sales and marketing and, you know, the, the HR functions are the ones that should be driving this, embedding it into the organization to only then turn it into more opportunity that they can have with their external facing clients. Well, Anthony, one of the things we've seen a lot of in the HR tech space specifically over the years is um, more focus on um, data privacy, data security. And I think by extension, as we talk about the Gen AI uh, story a little bit and the Gen AI technology is uh, responsible use of technology 
in the enterprise, specifically around people's personal information, but as well just in general when we start talking about things like, because the HR decision-making, right, and, and the talent management processes get into things like hiring and promotions and compensation, right? And behind all of those, we know, right, we have biases and inequities and, you know, the entire DEI conversation of the last few years is wrapped up in a lot of this. It's a big topic and I, I'm going to try to at least ask a, a more pointed question, which is uh, maybe we'll start with this. Uh, as organizations begin to consider these experiments, as you said, and get starting to get themselves and their employees better educated uh, around these capabilities, um, uh, how would you want them to think about or approach things like responsible use of these technologies to, to make sure that we're not, A, exposing data we shouldn't be exposing of the enterprise, and then B, making sure we're not substituting processes and technologies that led to some maybe... Uh, Barrett outcomes for another new set of technologies that might lead us into the same place. Right. I mean, you know, you go back to the to the original uses of some of the, you know, the previous machine learning technologies, because they were taught by humans, they were they learned the human bias, right? So, you know, the people that were selected for a certain job weren't selected on humans. And so the technology learns that along the way. So when we talk about, you know, the responsible practices around AI, particularly as it relates to, you know, HR, you know, the workforce related functions, there's a couple of things, you know, I think the first one is, you know, that point about bias and fairness, just understanding the measures of fairness and how to test the systems and the approaches. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, Steve, the, the, you know, privacy and security. So making sure um, that they have the right cybersecurity uh, methods in place before they go out to, you know, release any of the, the newer technologies and that there is that level of data privacy. What is data that should be shared, how it should be used, um, you know, and one that I think oftentimes is overlooked is, um, you know, how they interpret the uh, and explain the the data and the, the outputs of this, you know, and, and that's really about, you um, how will the, the information that is returned to me be used in you know, decision-making and decision support? And I think oftentimes we're, we, we're enamored by the, the speed and the efficiency of what is delivered through some of these generative AI tools. And we, we don't think about how, that, um, how we're gonna sustain that ability to interpret and explain those results out into the organization. So that having a very thoughtful approach to this, and I, you know, this sort of sounds like it flies in the face of what I was saying before about, mm -hmm. you know, just go try it and just get an experiment. I, I mean, that those two things can coexist, right? You do need to have some degree of experimenting and you can experiment with it. Um, you can do so in a way that, um, still, you know, keeps the privacy, the security, the, the bias, uh, and the interpretability of these outputs with fairness, um, you know, and governed in a way that doesn't, you know, immediately put the organization or the people. Thank you for sharing that, because that, as Steve mentioned, that is something that comes up quite often when we're talking with, with various leaders. Um, I would love to hear how you're thinking about, um, the way that that use of generative AI and and the relationship with skills and upskilling. I know that at PwC, as a former employee, obviously upskilling and and constantly kind of moving toward that that 
um, organization that is learning based is very important. It's just in the fabric at PwC and how things are kind of woven together. Um, how are you all approaching that when you think about the way that we're upskilling our workforce and using Gen AI and educating them on Gen AI? What should organizations be focused on there? Yes, and, and Trish, I, I I love that you gave gave our, us <laughs> our own commercial. Um, so thank you for that. We you know we it's something that we value very dearly, and and you know this as you know as a former PwCer, right? You're you, we really respect and and value the the lifelong learner, and so part of what you know the the approach both that we're taking and that we're doing with our with our clients, you know, it it is it is twofold. One is we want to democratize the AI upskilling so that everyone can learn and understand and be equipped to apply AI capabilities or the, the lens of AI, responsible AI, to the work that they're doing with clients, whether it's, you know, it's on our trust side or within consulting. As well, we want to educate our leaders, right? And, and equipping our stakeholders, our leaders for responsible use and oversight. So they know, you know what to look for and how they can enable the, the professionals within the organization, within our organization, on how to use generative AI, um, you know, the basics of how it works, how we need to govern, go back to that point of bias, interpretability, um, you know, uh, privacy, the security around that, all of those factors around responsible AI really rest in the, you know, um, the accountability of the leader. So both parts and parties really learn and grow as part of the, um, the process. We, for PwC, we we announced, you know, a, a massive investment last year. One of those things is, you know, for within the U.S. particularly, we're, we're upskilling all 75,000 of our professionals with the My, our, our My AI Academy so that everyone could you know, have access to become quote unquote certified as an AI professional and understanding what those capabilities are. And our leaders as well are getting the under, you know, that, that upskilling and the understanding too, so that they're equipped and, and that we can equip the leaders within the organization um, for responsible use and oversight at the same time. So you know, at the end, we want this to become part of the vernacular of our professionals, but also for them to be able to have those meaningful discussions about the impact and opportunity uh, with the clients that they serve. I love that you are approaching it that way. I was very excited hearing about the My AI Academy. Um, hopefully that's something that'll be available to the alumni on our <laughs> alumni network. <laughs> if not, I may have to put in a request. That's a pitch there, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for that. No, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, and I didn't, hopefully it didn't come across like a commercial. It's. Um, I mean it from my heart. I mean, I spent a lot of years with PwC and we weren't calling it skilling or upskilling at the time. It was it was right. always about, you know, filling the gaps was kind of what we referred to it as in, in the region I was working in. And, um, and I still, I carry that with me throughout my career, right? Always being looking for what is the gap between what you know and what you need to know and how can you then sort of take care of that. And so I love that it's it's really evolved into this mindset right that you all have and like like you say it's not just the pwc employees um, and leaders it's your clients as well right so you're you're pushing that learning attitude out which i applaud you for it's a difficult thing to do and um pwc certainly has the resources and the knowledge to to be able to do it so congratulations on that i, I can't wait to hear how that academy um really enhances what you've been doing already so 
Thank you. Yeah, we're excited about it. And it's definitely, yeah. you know, we, we tend to, as you know, we tend to try, learn on ourselves first before we bring it to our clients. But, and that's what's happening. You know, now that we've rolled that out, you know, we have so many, you know, opportunities where clients are trying to do the same thing. So we're bringing the same capability now to them as well. So internally and externally having, hopefully having continued success. Anthony, what, one last question from me. Uh, you know, I see a lot of technology each year as part of what I do with the, the HR Tech Conference and some other things that we work on all year long, Trish, with our partners and clients. And so, as you'd imagine, a ton of AI solutions last year, right, in the course of, of doing what we do. Um, as you have worked with clients and PwC has kind of assessed the, the landscape uh, of technology right now, uh, specifically talking about HR, human capital, these kinds of applications. Is there one or two things that are standing out to you in kind of these early forays into Gen AI or clients of, of PwC are experimenting with and maybe having some success with that stand out? Like, because I've seen a lot of applications, but I, you know, I'm not sure what's really moving the needle so much yet. Is there, is it, you know, creating job descriptions? Is it creating, you know, uh, skills, taxonomies? Is there, is there something that's standing out to you that's, hey, boy, this is really interesting what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, and uh, funny enough, I'm I'm going to be uh, publishing my predictions for 2024 today. Um, nice. So uh, I'm going to give you uh, my second prediction is about really about Gen AI and this moving from idea to action, um, particularly around as it relates to the workforce. And so I'd say there's there's kind of three camps around this. The first camp is there are things that are happening that were already happening already. You know that that you know, the Gen AI boom happened in 2023 and, you know, it kind of brought some more light to it. But I think things about really about recruiting and sourcing, th those have been out for a while. You know, we, we do have, you know, talent intelligence and, you know, um, others that are out there that, um, you know, that that have helped in the, uh, to automate the, the recruiting process. So, you know, I think I put that in sort of camp number one. So camp number two is, you know, the adjacencies to, to what's existing today, right? So easier there, we're a bit into, I, you know, past idea. And, and I think a lot of that is, you know, in the space around skill development, um, you know, where you, where you have um, the, the ability to dynamically generate, um, you know, skill development paths, um, you know, learning journeys that are more tailored to the individual, uh, and can certainly help with the, the development of it. The third, where I'd say is where it gets more innovative into the HR, really, as it relates to the workforce. I, I think that the two areas uh, in that in that third camp, the, the, the first is just around the employee experience, you know, how we're using Gen AI assistance, you know, creating, um, you know, more tailored delivery and interaction for the workforce. And I say the true workforce, because it could be the employees and, their, you know, uh, their contractors or gig workers and, and the like, um, to engage and, and, and create a meaningful experience for them around the way that works. So think of it that this, these are the things where, you know, where we're shift swapping, where we're using Gen AI to say, okay, Anthony wants to change, you know, and have it, you know, different shifts or things that have been out there already, but they've been more manual now having, you know, the, that experience out there or, you know, serving you up content, you know, for, um, to, to perform your job or to provide you with, you know, different alerts around rewards, benefits, 
wellness that that really kind of pr- bring that holistic experience. The second is around the delivery, right? Taking the page um, of the, from the customer facing functions and bringing that into HR. So, you know, the, uh, you know, marketing and customer um, facing organizations, they use the single pane of glass, right? They always talk about a SPOG and, you know, having that SPOG capability within or the workforce using generative AI to shape what that, uh, you know, how we deliver that. And that's beyond just the, the digital assistant, right? I want to, you know, today's my, you know, my, uh, I'm getting married or I'm having a child or, you know, all that thing. And what comes along with that, and not just walking them through the process, like as in a chat bot, but actually delivering that, you know, that first full contact um, and being able to solve and actually learn um, with generative AI, they're learning about that individual, about that case, um, and or about, you know, the other knowledge uh, base that exists around that. So, you know, it actually has the ability now to start to look at, oh, people like Anthony who have gone through X, right? You know, they've also asked this question. I'm going to pose the question back to Anthony because he may also need that, where we're actually creating a different level of efficiency around the HR function. Um, that you know, many many of the you know contact centers today are being able to use where they have you know Gen AI um, uh, assistants who are actually you know they've actually been programmed to have uh, emotion, sentiment, okay. thought. You know, they're using you know ums and oh, that's mm-hmm. a good question, right? They're changing their um, their expression, right, and all of that being part of the delivery of the HR experience, mm-hmm. right? Nobody wants to sit on the phone with anyone anymore. No one has time for it, you know, to do that. Everyone wants a quick text message and be able to have that level of interaction. So I think in that third category, you know, having both the workforce experience and more innovative and efficient delivery of, of, of HR to the, to the employees and to the workforce as, as large. Anthony, that's fascinating because I've seen, as I said, I preface the question with, I've seen a lot of, you know, examples of, uh, AI tech for HR. I've seen many of the examples you talked about, but I've not seen some of those uh, those manifestations that you described there about you know in, imbuing these tools with a little more humanity, which is a really fascinating area to consider. And I'll be looking out for that for sure. That's that's so interesting. Um, this has been fascinating stuff. I uh, can't wait to read your predictions, Anthony. We'll make sure we'll get a link out in the show notes to them as That'd they're coming out. We'll make sure people can find that. Um, is there anything else you want to close with, uh, folks who want to find you, connect with you, or maybe access some of the P- PwC has a great gen AI kind of resource hub. Uh, I'm looking at it right now over on my other monitor, but is there anything you'd like to just uh, share with folks to, uh, learn more and, or, uh, connect with you? Yeah, no, I, well, for, you know, going to, you know, pwc.com, um, you know, you can search on my name, Anthony Abatello, uh, or I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me at, it's, uh, linkedin.com backslash AP Abatello. Um, same thing, AP Abatello on uh, PwC on Twitter. Uh, I only post about things related to the workforce. No, no cats or kids. Um, sorry, but uh, just about my my passion for uh, workforce and all things human capital. Um, and again, I, you know, I I close with the, that whole point where we started. Of just it, this is the year for we've talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. Let's let's get to action. Let's try to experiment. And, you know, to, you know, the extent we can, you know, I'll be out and, you know, encouraging CEOs, CHROs really to 
embed and enable that experimentation and that that agility around Gen AI this year. Because as we come out of 2024 and we're sitting here, hopefully in a year from now, we can say, yeah, here are some meaningful examples where company X tried this or company Y tried that. Um, I, I see them. They're, they're not uh, under pu for public consumption yet, but I know they're there. And those actions, those those experiences are going to really help shape the way we're going to continue to evolve the HR function. And uh, you know, my goal is to get the CHRO in the spotlight, not just in the room, but in the spotlight in the boardroom, the way uh, many of their peers have been. And I think this is going to be you know one of the great stories we're going to tell. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. Like Steve alluded to, I mean, you you take even things that we are aware of and sort of illuminate them in a, in a much different and more detailed way. So I appreciate that. My big takeaway, Steve and, and Anthony from this is the, the whole education piece and experimentation, right? I haven't heard it phrased quite that way. And I love the sort of the optimism that goes along with that and making people feel like this is really something you can do, you can learn, you can understand, and you can apply. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I love the show and I'm an avid listener and you guys got me through a very long uh, car ride uh, last oh. week. So nice. <laughs> well, thank you, Anthony. We appreciate that. It's great to see you again. And I think maybe we'll put a tickler on our calendars. Like we should check in with you like next January, right? To see how the year exactly. turned out. We'll I think that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So Anthony Abitello from PwC, a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much. We'll make sure we get some links in the show notes, some of the resources Anthony mentioned, as well as how to find him. Uh, thanks to our friends at Paychex, of course, for sponsoring the show. They're awesome to us and we're great, great to have them with us again in 2024. Trish, great to see you. Great stuff. A great way to get the year started here on the HR Happy Hour Media Network. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs>